0: Welcome to Twice Born Podcasts. My name is Mike Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to get your feedback, and if you have any questions, please go to twiceborn.net. You can also find us on social media. I hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative. God bless. We're continuing our series called Restart, and uh, it's important for us to take the time to stop consider what we're doing, consider who we are, consider how God's moving in our personal lives, and then also in our church, and how can we stop, and then consider what's going on, and then restart in a healthy way. Uh, The idea here is your phone, when it's messed up, when it's not working the right way, what do you typically do? What do they tell you to do if you call the hotline on how to fix it? They say, well, did you turn it off and turn it back on? Why? Because when you turn it off, It takes all those things that aren't working properly, it closes them down, and then when it restarts, it hopefully restarts everything in the most effective way possible, and that's really our prayer, because if you think about it, coming to Christ is that process of stopping your life, recognizing your need. For a savior, refocusing your life in a new direction. Repentance actually means to change direction, and then to receive Christ is to live in a new way. And so, on the individual basis, we restart when we come to Christ, and then as believers in Christ, every single day we're stopping and considering what it is to be a, a follower. We're renewing our minds. We're we're allowing the Lord to lead us and guide us. And so, we are in part five of this restart. If you missed any of it, you can go to our website. It's all there to see. Uh, There is a sermon-based study. If you'd like to do a deeper dive later this week or if you're in a group and you'd like to have a resource, that is there for you as well. Today we're talking about ministry, ministry, and one of the things that I'm excited about with our church is how God has opened doors for ministry, how he's opened a lot of new doors for us uh, to be doing ministry locally, nationally, and internationally. But when you think about ministry, you think about the word minister. This morning... Do you consider yourself a minister? Yes. Do you consider yourself a minister? Now, if you were raised like I was raised, you thought... I Like, I'm the minister. The guy who gets up and preaches is the minister, and uh, that's his job. That's what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, but we're going to look at that idea, and we're going to look at how, that, how has God really uh, laid that out for all of us. Who is a minister? What is a minister called to do? And then also recognize that every single one of us in this room was created on purpose. I think one of the lies of the world we live in, it just says, you know, just live, survive, do it, you know, just try to make it through the week. Uh, your life is, is really not all that valuable. But I believe that God teaches us through His Word that your life is extraordinarily valuable and every day matters. This is a very new day. This is a brand new day, the genesis of the day. God has created this day for you to live, and He has a plan for today. And this day adds up, and all the days of your life and all of your days of your life matter, and they make an impact. And my challenge to us, myself, and to all of us, is to see the impact your life can have when you fully submit it to God to be his minister. When you fully submit your life in being a minister for the Lord. I think of the story of Edward Kimball. He lived in 1858. Edward was a Sunday school teacher at a very small church, and he had about six or seven boys, middle school boys, that he was responsible for. How many of you have ever taught middle school boys? How many of you would never do that again, (laughs) right? I've taught middle school boys. I actually love it, I love the energy, I love how they try to be funny all the time. I love how they try to make a joke of everything. Um, I love how they, God has made them unique and special and awesome, and so I love middle school boys. Um, it's not the easiest group, but it's a great group to minister to. Well, Edward had committed his life to teaching this group, and he felt like God had put on his heart that he really wanted to reach these young men for Jesus. He really wanted them to come to know Christ as their Savior, and so he was very intentional and there was young, one young boy in his class that was working at the shoe store uh, uh, that was cl- close to where the church was. And so one day he decided to go to the ch- shoe store and to try to build into this young guy's life and to speak the truth and to love him, encourage him, and point him to Christ. And because of this investment in this young boy's life, um, he received Jesus as his Savior. He repented of his sin. He believed in Christ as his Lord. And he committed the rest of his life to following Jesus. This young, this young man's name was Dwight L. Moody. Many of you have heard of Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody went on to be an evangelist to speak to millions of people and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dwight L. Moody shared with a man named F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer received this message of the gospel and he received it into his life and he decided that he would go and share as an evangelist around the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. F.B. Meyer had spoke at a, a location where Wilbur Chapman was coming to check out this whole Christianity thing. And Wilbur Chapman decided to give his life to Christ and he committed himself to share the good news of Jesus Christ wherever he could. And so he actually would go to the towns and cities in the United States and he would go to the professional baseball teams and he would share Jesus with the professional baseball teams of the people in the United States. And while he was sharing with one of the teams, there was a player on one of the teams named Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday was a professional baseball player. He heard the message of the gospel. It transformed his life, and he committed his life to sharing the gospel wherever he could go. Billy Sunday shared with a guy named Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham was this intellectual guy from England, and he wanted to take uh, this message of the gospel and share it in a new way, in a different way. And he went to a town, and he would actually drive a hearse through the town advertising his events, because the truth is the gospel's the only answer to death. The gospel is the only answer to the problem of death. And so he said, look, this is a problem 10 out of 10 people struggle with. It's called death. And so here's the answer to that problem, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Christ died, buried, rose from the grave so that you can have eternal life. And so this was the message of the gospel. He would go around and share this, and he ended up sharing it in this town where this young man named Billy was. And Billy was a kind of rebellious young man, and he didn't want to hear about God, but his friends were going to check it out, and they heard about this hearse, and they're like, what is this guy all about? And actually, as I read about this, there was a uh, a school, a high school that Billy went to, and across the street, there was a house of ill repute, which is like, you know, terms, it wasn't a great place, and you don't want to go there. Well, Mordecai was going there to kind of say, "Look, you got to close this place down. These high school boys are going over here. That shouldn't be going on. This is like terrible for your community." And the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to transform their lives. It's going to give them purpose and meaning. And so, all everyone showed up because it was this big controversy. They want to hear what he had to say. And so Mordecai shared the gospel. He shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And there was a young man there who didn't intend to go. He just wanted to see what was going to happen. He was there to kind of see maybe there's a fight, maybe something will break out, an exciting thing would happen. And as he got there and he heard what was said, his heart was open. And he said, "Wait a minute. Maybe what this guy's saying is true. Maybe I am lost in my sin. Maybe I am separated from God." And maybe I do need a savior. And maybe this life is just part of the journey. And that young man prayed and received Christ. He confessed his sin. He believed. And he went on to be the world's biggest evangelist. You know him by the name of Billy Graham. And so this morning, think about this. Go back to Edward Kimball. He had a class of about six middle school boys. His ministry, he was ministering to these boys if he would not have faithfully ministered to them, if he would not have answered the call on his life that God had given him in that moment, if he would not have said, yes, I will do whatever you ask me to do, and when God said, I want you to invest, and I want you actually to go to the shoe store, and I want you to really invest in this young man, if he doesn't do those things, there's no Billy Graham. There's no lives changed. There's no a world different. And it all started with one individual who said, I'm a minister and I'm going to be faithful to what God gives me. And I'm going, to, I'm going to do it no matter what. Because I don't need to see the results. I know God has the results already played out. And so that's the question. My question for you is, are you a minister? Yes. Praise God. Yes. Amen. We we're here to be ministers. But there's a challenge in that, right? There's a challenge. And we're going to ask God to reveal how we can live that out, how we we can be faithful to that. So let's precede it with prayer. Please, if we come to this place, let's let's ask the Lord to speak to us in a new way. (sighs) Father God, you are awesome. You are worthy of these days. You're worthy of our life. You're worthy of our thoughts. You're worthy of our emotions. You're worthy of our actions. And so, Lord, we come to this place and we ask you to speak to us. We ask you to reveal your truth to us. We ask, Lord, that we become a reflection of you. And, Lord, wherever we are on the journey of, and path of our life, Um, Lord, whether we are uh, on the other side of knowing you or we have lived a a long uh, time in relationship to you, I pray wherever we are, Lord, that we would take one step closer to you, maybe even begin that step today, Lord, that we we would begin that journey where you guide us and you give us wisdom and you give us understanding about life. And Lord, I pray that you would protect our minds. Lord, help us not to go different places in our thoughts, but to listen to you, to hear your still voice within our spirits, that Lord, you would reveal new things to us, that we would see things clearly, we would have an understanding of why we're here and what we're to do. And Lord, that you would help us as you've called us um, to be your ministers, to be your ambassadors, that we'd be faithful to that calling and we would recognize the power of a life, the influence of a life and how it can make such uh, enormous difference in the world though we pray that you would protect us in this journey help us Lord to focus on you in Jesus name amen this whole series is built on Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 this is where Paul says to uh, the Philippian church he says brothers and sisters I do not consider myself have taken hold of it but one thing I do forgetting what is behind reaching forward to what is ahead And so for all of us in this room, I hope that we all recognize that the the past is frozen. I can't do anything about the past, so there's no reason for me to drive in the rearview mirror because the past is behind me. Whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, the past is the past. I have no influence over the past. I only have influence over the present, and the present leads me to the future. And my encouragement as we gather in these times that we're like Paul and say, hey, I'm going to throw it all off, recognizing maybe today is even a ground one for something new God has in my life. This might be the start of a new passion. This might be the start of a new journey that God has for me in life. And I'm willing to take that journey on. I'm willing to be open to whatever God has for me. That's really the question when we come here and really the question that I hear God saying throughout his whole word all the time. Are you willing to listen to me? And then after you listen to me, are you willing to do what I say? Are you willing to follow the leading that I place in your life? And he's constantly calling our names. He's constantly calling to us to follow him, get closer. Here's what I have for you. Here's what, I, what I'm calling you to. And the question is, will I listen? Will I hear it with spiritual ears? And then will I follow it? like a sheep following the shepherd. And so we want to be like Paul. We want to live our lives focused on whatever God has in front of us, And we need to recognize the much bigger picture. And the the bigger picture is given to us by Jesus in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. If you have a Bible, you can open to it. It will be on the screens. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you a Bible. Uh, If you have a phone, you have a Bible. You have every translation probably there is. Uh, You can just go to the Bible app and download that. Uh, It's very helpful for us to feed on God's word on a regular basis, not just Sunday. And so today we're looking at Matthew 25, 31 through 33. Here's what it says. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And so remember, this is Matthew, the tax collector. He's recording what Jesus said here on planet Earth 2,000 years ago. And Jesus says that there is a time in the future when we are passed from this life that there is a time of judgment. There's a time of judgment. And that all of our lives will be judged. And I know that's not really for most people. Man, judgment does not sound good. I don't like the idea of judgment. Judgment is a harsh word. Judgment is a harsh idea. But the truth is none of us want sin in heaven. None of us want disease. We don't want COVID in heaven. We don't want lying and stealing and cheating and having to lock our doors in heaven. So there has to be some standard. There has to be some level of holiness. And to establish that holiness, we need justice. And to have justice, you need a judge. And so here's this judgment that God is giving us, and we're told through Scripture, the Word of God, these are the two things every human on planet Earth will be judged on. So if you ever wondered what are the two things God's, the things that he looks at, the two things that we're told in Scripture that he judges us on, the first thing is this, what do you do with Jesus? What do you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the one way. Why is he the one way? Because he's the only one who could pay the way. He's the only one who can make a way. He's the only one who could establish a way. And therefore, he's actually the most inclusive of all there is because he says, whoever wants this can have it. Whoever would like to have me as their Savior, I will be their Savior. I will not turn anyone away. And so Jesus says, whomever, whoever, everyone is invited, but you have to make a decision. Who do you say that he is? And it's not just who do you say that he is. Who do you really believe that he is within the context of your life? And so that's the first thing that we're all going to be, and I I don't know how God works all this, but I know that this is what he's told us. And the second thing he says is, what was Jesus able to do with you? What did you do with Jesus? And what was Jesus able to do with you? So for last week, we talked a lot about this, and this is something that I've struggled with growing up in the church, being a a part of a church my whole life, is that I've always felt like Christianity was about doing good and not doing bad. I always thought Christianity is just a list of good. You do more good than bad, then God's happy with you. You're good to go. But the more I read scripture, I don't see that anywhere. What I see is I am completely lost Separated from God, and the only way I can have a relationship with Him is through His dying on a cross, setting me free from sin. And that begins the journey. When I receive Christ as my Savior, that's the birth of something brand new. That is the starting point, that is the beginning of whatever is to come. And I don't want to stop at the start. And so the idea is if you've come to Christ, how far have you continued to follow Christ? If you've come to Christ, how far are you on your journey in getting close to who he is and what he is and what he wants you to be? What has Jesus been able to do with your life? He saved you for a purpose. He didn't save you. He didn't say, I'm going to save you so you can do whatever you want. I'm going to save you so you can have your own will be done. He saves us so that we can know him and live for him and reveal him through our lives. You know, one of the most amazing things to me, a couple weeks ago, we went to the Kennedy Space Center. And it is amazing what man has been able to accomplish. It is amazing that we have these telescopes that we're sending out into outer space. And we're seeing how vast the universe is. And we're seeing how other planets work. And now Elon Musk wants to go to Mars, right? I mean, the fact that we can do any of these things is really unbelievable. All the things that we're learning, it's, it's really quite overwhelming to realize how much that there is to know. But you know what I see when I, when I look and hear all these things? I hear of a complex creator who created things very purposely. That everything it, you realize where we are in the universe, the only reason we exist is because we live in one little part of the universe where there's not the kind of radiation that would kill us all. That there's so many things in place to keep us from having harmful radiation that would kill us instantly. That if we were any other place in the universe, we would not exist. If we were not on the axis level that we are as a planet, if we didn't rotate at the speed, we did. If we didn't go around the sun the way we did. If our sun was any different, we wouldn't be here. That there's an intricacy, there's absolute order within the universe that is everything is aligning perfectly and and the way that it works is this does this and this does this and then they come together and they perform something. And it's the same in the spiritual that God created us for an absolute purpose. And part of that purpose is that we would get saved, that our sin would be dealt with, but that's not really the end. Then once we're saved, then we're living out our purpose, which is loving other people. That you were saved so that you could have a system here on earth. What would it be like if the earth was a place where everyone loved each other the way God intends us to love each other? What if the entire earth, every human on the earth, uh, put each other's needs above their own? Loved the way Christ loves? What if every human was like Jesus on the earth? What would we call that? We would call that heaven. Because that's what God's intent was from the very beginning. And we're gathered here right now. We're gathered here to be encouraged by his word so that we can become what he wants us to be, so that we can make that difference in the world, so they can see God's purpose. And we call it glorifying God. Because we say, thank you, God, for allowing me to be part of what you're doing. And so the problem is pretty clear, isn't it? I'm selfish. I have do you guys have to lock your doors? How many, don't, how many of you don't lock your doors? We lock our doors. We're afraid of security on our phones. There are so many things to worry about. Why? Because there's so much sin in the world. There's so many people that just do whatever they want to do, and they're selfish and self-centered, and they don't care how it affects you or your family. They're going to do it. So we live in a broken world. We live in a corrupt world. We live in a world where we're afraid of everyone. We don't trust anyone. Everything seems to be a scam. Right? God's plan is that the church and those that follow Christ would lead in a different direction. That they would be honest and trustworthy. That they wouldn't have to worry about us stealing from them or trying to do something that would undermine them or hurt them or undercut them. The whole idea is that when Jesus saves you, you become like Christ and you are bringing life and hope and peace to the people around you. That's the intricacy of the universe, the systems of this world. And so we look and we say that's a problem, right? And I would say this to all of us. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know Jesus if you're not a minister. You don't know Jesus if you're not a minister. That's what that verse says to me. I don't know Jesus if I'm not ministering for Jesus. So what does it mean to be a minister? What does it mean to be a minister of Jesus? Does it mean you have to preach or sing or play the piano or do something within the life of the church that that everyone sees? No, I think it's actually the opposite. Ephesians 4.11 says this So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. My responsibility, I'm actually an administer, not just a minister. My job, my responsibility and calling is to help you figure out what your ministry is. My goal, and if you come to our leaders meetings, if you come to our Bible studies, if you come to any of our groups, my goal and the leaders goal of this church is to help you find what your ministry is. To empower you to do your ministry, to guide you to your ministry, recognizing that every single one of us in this room has a ministry. You have a ministry. God has a plan. He has an absolute purpose for you here today. He wants you to live out your ministry. He wants you to be faithful. So Jesus gives leaders for the task of making ministers. Churches are places to produce ministers. My prayer is that you would realize what ministry God put you on earth for. There are so many things in life that we chase after. There's so many things in life that we put so much energy towards that we think are going to fulfill us and make us happy and make us feel like uh, all that we put ourselves into was valuable. And so many of those things are lies. So many times you get to that place that you were trying so hard to get to and you're like, this is it? This is all this is? This is what I was trying so hard to get to? This is what it was all about? Because God didn't create you for that. He created you to be a minister. He created you to serve others. He created you for an absolute purpose to make an impact in this world for him. And so we see the answer later on in Matthew 25. He gives us the full picture. Matthew 25, 35 says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the king will answer to them, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Do you see God's order of the of the universe, his plan for earth? If I give you water, if I give you clothes, if I visit you while you're in prison or or you're sick or I invite you in as a stranger, if all of us do that, what a wonderful world this would be. If all of us had that heart, if all of us had that attitude that I want to serve people, I want to encourage people, I want to support people. When everyone's leaving, I want to go in. When people are going through tough stuff, I want to be there with them. When they're celebrating, I want to be there with them. The whole idea here is to know Christ is to be like Christ. And we see this level of judgment where he's saying, look, um, I was hungry and you fed me. That is you revealing you understand who I am and I understand who you are. That that repentance and belief is being fulfilled in your decision making. And so ministry cares for the physical needs. When we go to Africa and we bring food, the rice and the beans, and we have uh, the, the wells dug for water... All of those things are done in the name of Christ because the physical need is met. When I was sitting there, and we had nine thousand kids come and get rice and beans, and every time they came by, and you put rice and beans, and you say in the name of Jesus, praise God, uh, Hallelujah, that we're doing this. Every time I did, I thought, this is Jesus I'm feeding. What a pleasure! What an honor! This is the most fulfilling thing I could possibly. Like I've done other things in life, this is so amazing. Why aren't we all doing this all the time? This is like mind-blowing how amazing it is to love people in the name of Christ. We get tricked because television, because of ads, because all this stuff that says, if you have this, you're going to be so happy. Look how happy these people are in this video. And then you do it, and you're like, eh, that was okay. That was not, you know, that didn't fulfill everything within me. That's not something that's made my life more valuable now. And it really, let's be honest, once you get it, then there's something else for you to get. And there's a hundred other things for you to get. And there's a hundred other things for you to do. And it's never ending. Keep pursuing the carrot that's on the fishing pole in front of you. And Jesus is saying, "I look, it's not bad. Those things aren't bad in themselves. But the truth is, if that's all you're seeking with your life, then you are listening to the world. You're listening to the things of the world. And you're not following me. So meeting people's physical needs on Thursday from 9 or on Tuesday from 9 to 11 here at the church when people come here for the food pantry and we have food for them and clothes for them and we give it in the name of Jesus and we have so many people that give towards that, we're all working together and we're actually feeding and clothing Christ. And when we see every person, we don't say, well, I'm better than them or I have some level higher than them. No, I am the least of these. It is a pleasure to just have a relationship with this person. Honor and respect. Dignity. And I'm telling you, if you come speak to those that work here, the life-giving nature of serving people is the hidden mystery of our time. That selflessness is way better than selfishness. That serving is better than being served. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says this, And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, confront the discouraged, Comfort, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. One of the ministries that we're called to is minister to the mental needs of people. I meet so many people that just need encouragement. I've met so many people that they've never been told in their whole life that they're valuable, that they're loved by God. And then I've met people on the other side of the spectrum who think that they're so great they don't need any of it. And everybody needs to be ministered. I need to be ministered. You need to be ministered. We need to be ministered too. And it's not just our physical needs. It's our emotional needs. It's our, it's our mental needs. God created this universe with a specific order. Part of that order is that we would encourage each other, that we would listen to each other, Sometimes it's just a listening ear. Minister through listening. Sitting down and listening to someone's pain. Listening to their struggle. Listening to something that they're dealing with. That is ministry. When you do that, you're a minister. Just to sit and listen. Just to encourage. Just to support. These are ministries that God calls us to. What if all of us saw it as our ministry to encourage people in their mental health, their thought life. I think the epidemic of our world is not just a virus. It's our thought life, thinking that we're nothing, thinking that life doesn't matter, all the thoughts that bombard us, the thoughts of of the challenge of finances, the challenge of our physical needs. Our thought life is what tears us down. Do you realize today that suicide has now overtaken almost every other form of death in our nation? Because people have lost any hope in life. Our ministry as the church is to minister to those people. Not to come in and yell at them and tell them how horrible they are. That's actually the opposite. It's to come in and say, listen, I'm here to listen, encourage, and listen. I want the absolute best for you. Can I honestly say I want the absolute best for everyone I meet? I want the absolute best for you. And I believe the absolute best is that you have a personal relationship with God through Christ. There's nothing better than knowing your creator and knowing that he created you on purpose and living that truth out every single day of your life. And so maybe your ministry this morning, maybe it's not speaking or singing the the typical ministries. Maybe your ministry is listening. Maybe your ministry is coming alongside and just being there with someone that is a ministry that you could be a minister to today the best way to connect with that is go to a group we have groups we're trying to get everyone in this church in a group cuz that's when you can invest in somebody that's when you can get to know somebody that's when you can pray for someone that's when you can walk alongside and celebrate their victories and be there in their defeats second corinthians 5:18 everything is from god who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us, listen, the ministry of reconciliation. Some of our ministries are to help people find out that they're forgiven and that they need to forgive. Do you know what the roadblock for almost all of us in life is? Unforgiveness, unforgiveness. Not recognizing that we are forgiven of our sins, not allowing forgiveness to flow through us into others, not forgiving those who have maybe unfairly hurt us or done things. Forgiveness doesn't mean empowerment. Forgiveness doesn't even make it right. Forgiveness says, I'm going to give it to you, God, and let you be just. Because I can't carry this weight anymore. I can't control this anymore. There's nothing I can really do except become more bitter. So I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to forgive like you have forgiven me and trust that your justice will ring true. But that's a ministry it's a ministry to 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 minister to people and their their need to know that they're forgiven their need to know that there can be forgiveness for all the things they've done and that they can forgive others all the things that have been done to them this is a powerful ministry this is a ministry that God calls us to this is a ministry that's greatly needed in our time and in our world Ministry is an absolute calling from God to you. You know, we have people here, and I am so thankful, um, that do the unseen ministry. Uh, cleaning this building. Taking care of all the things in this, in this facility. Um, there's so much that happens even at this church that's behind the scenes that none of you know about those ministers but they're faithful to their ministry. They're faithful to their ministry because they recognize they're a minister, that God put them here on purpose. There's so many things that God does within the life of a church. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the musicians. It's so much more than that. And that's why all of us are involved. That's why all of us are called to be ministers. And so this morning, are you a minister? Are you a minister? What is your ministry? If I was to sit down and have coffee with you, what would be your heart? What would be your passion? What would you say, God has put me on earth, this is my ministry. You know, many of you have been ministers through being a parent. Many of you have been ministers by being a teacher. Many of you have been ministers by being a neighbor. We can't just say ministry is within the confines of this building. Ministry is life. But it's when you recognize that. See, the thing is, Ministry doesn't happen on its own. It has to be intentional. Can you say, this is the thing that God put me? This is the reason I was born into this earth. This is the reason I have so many days on this planet. This is when I get collected back to God. This is what I want to give him because this is why he put me here. This is why this is such a big deal. It's for you to find out your ministry. For you to find out what did God put you here to do. We we teach a class uh, called Shape, Figuring Out Your Spiritual Formation. Every single one of us in this room is unique, that God has put you here absolutely on purpose, and he has an absolute shape for your life. And if you don't fit into that piece of the puzzle, nobody will, because it's just for you. What did God shape you for? What did God shape you for? Some of you are introverts. You would never want to speak in front of a group of people ever in your life. Do you know God made you that way on purpose, that's not a mistake. He has something for you to do. He has a ministry for you. Some of you love doing the things that no one else wants to do, and you wonder why. God did that intentionally. God did not make a mistake when he created you. He absolutely has a purpose for your life. But here's the thing. He's done all the hard work. We have to do the work of seeking out what it is. Am I willing, what is going to keep me from finding my ministry? What is going to keep me from fulfilling the task in which God put me on earth to do? Am I willing to seek that out with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, with all of my mind? Are you willing to seek out what God put you here for and then do whatever he made you to do? What's the application this morning Find out what you're shaped by God for. How many of you would say, I know for certain what my ministry is? I can look and see how God has been using this in my life and how he's put me in this place at this time and how he's fulfilling the calling in my life. How many of you say, I have no idea, but I want to know? I really want to know what my ministry is. I really want to know what I was put here for. I really want to follow that. We know none of us can answer that for you. Only one person can answer that for you, and that's the Holy Spirit of God. And so we need to ask him, God, show me what you put me here for. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? What is my ministry? How am I part of your vast plan in this universe? What is the thing that you've called me to do? When we meet with people that come and want to be part of the church. I always say this. There's two things that we expect here at the church, two things we expect from everyone. First, that you find out what you love to do, what God shaped you to do, and you serve in that capacity. If you love working with kids, if you love music, if you love serving, if you love visiting, if you love whatever it is that God shaped you with an intentional calling on your life to do that ministry, we want you to do that ministry. We want you to find out what that is, and we want you to do that. Because nothing motivates more than doing what God made you to do. But then we also want you to be willing, wherever God calls you in the life of the church, to sacrificially serve, to do something because it needs to be done. Because God has put you here at this time, and this is the need that we all have seen needs to be done. If every one of us in this room, and everyone that's uh, away right now, were to commit and say, I'm going to do these two things, I'm going to serve where God shaped me, where he created me. I'm going to do whatever uh, he made me to do, and I'm going to pursue that here at the church. And then also I'm willing to do whatever is needed. How much impact would we make in Port Orange? How many people's lives would be changed like these young men that were in the Sunday school class? How much of the future would be impacted? How many people's marriages would be healed? How many addictions would be overcome? How many addictions would be over avoided because you were working with a student that would have gotten to an addiction, but because they came to Christ, they did not get an addiction? Amen. We do not know the ripple effect of our lives. We do not know the impact of being faithful to God or not being faithful to God. We do not know what it, it may be beyond our life span. But it will make an impact one way or the other. Would you be willing to make that commitment today? Would you be willing to say, Yes, I'm going to do what God put me on earth to do? I'm going to be the minister that He has created me to be. And like I say every single week, none of this matters. Everything I've just said doesn't matter if you've not been born again, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you haven't been twice born. Jesus said that there's a physical birth that we all experience. But to know him, to be part of his family, and to be saved, we must be born twice. A physical birth and a spiritual birth. And the way that you are spiritually born is that you confess your sin. You say, I know that I've been my own God. I've gone my own way. I've rejected you as Lord. I've done it my way. And I'm going to turn from that because I know that was wrong. I'm going to repent that's the word we use and i'm going to confess and then i'm going to believe i'm going to believe that you intentionally like you created the stars you created like the all the galaxies you you created the orbits you created the planet you created the gravity you created the the atoms and the protons and the neutrons and everything that we're made up of all of that organized in a complex unique purposeful manner i believe you did that and i believe that i'm part of that and i believe that you have a plan for my life and i believe that i can if i trust in you and follow you you will use my life to impact this world in a positive powerful way that's where it starts but it's not where it ends so this morning have you made that decision have you committed yourself to christ